0: Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the communications director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years' experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry, so I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on scripture. Thank you for joining me. Yet another of the many things that pastors didn't think they would be dealing with when they attended seminary, it's copyright law. And lay people in churches rarely have to deal with it either. Well, chalk it up to another thing the pandemic forced us to pay attention to amid all the turmoil from COVID-19. Suddenly churches were broadcasting, creating a need for streaming licenses, and for a closer look at copyright licensing. One of the partners in this ministry endeavor is Christian Copyright Licensing International, or CCLI. They're the largest of the Christian music licensing companies, but they're not the only one. CCLI is a service that enables real-time access to licensed Christian music and media at a far, far lesser cost than an individual church would otherwise pay to receive permission to play or display lyrics for copyrighted material. I had the opportunity recently to talk to two representatives from CCLI. They were gracious with their time to explain some of the intricacies of what CCLI does and, therefore, what churches are allowed to do. I think you'll find they did a great job of explaining things in a succinct yet easy to understand manner. I hope you'll find what they shared to be informative and I hope you'll heed the advice they share on a few of the issues associated with the music we use in our worship services. Here's my discussion with them. I'm joined now by Ann Price, a customer service representative with CCLI and with David Jun, who's a customer service supervisor. I've asked them to come on the show to talk about what CCLI is, why licensing is such an important protection for the local church, and how to use some of the services they and other licensing organizations provide. Uh, Ann and David, thank you so much for joining me on In Layman's Terms.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. Uh, So in the intro to this episode, I gave a little bit of a rundown of what CCLI does, uh, but would one of you or both of you like to help us uh, explain why the services CCLI and other organizations like yours provide? Why are they so important for local churches?
2: Yeah, so I'd be happy to start off, actually. Um, so the company started in the late 80s, uh, right into the 90s, and uh, an issue of copyright came up for, for some of the larger churches um, where publishers and songwriters uh, were taking action against large churches um, that were using their songs without permissions per copyright law. And so that's how the company came to be, so that we can uh, provide a license to protect churches so that they can legally use copyrighted works. Um, And, you know, our main job here is to make sure that the publishers and songwriters uh, receive what they are due for other people using their, using their works, so. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm sure you all have heard this. The, the pandemic really pushed some churches forward on this topic more so than ever before, probably, uh, specifically on the idea of not just copyright, but live streaming. So s- streaming licenses uh, was kind of a new thing for a lot of churches at that point. Yeah. Uh, three years later, uh, we're, we're still, at least in my position, find that we're still running some interesting challenges with people understanding some of the nuances of what really is a kind of a complicated law for people that don't have to deal with it very often. So I thought we could go through some of the basics to help people understand. I guess the the David you touched on it, but but if one of you would want to expand a little bit. Why copyright law? Why why do we need the? Why do we need that protection? I guess is the first question.
2: Yeah. So just like any other works, uh, copyrighted works. So whether it's paintings, right, or whether it's mm-hmm. literature, what uh, all of that translates over to music as well. Um, where you know if you want to go see and. Art gallery, there's usually an entrance fee at a you know art gallery or museum, for, and all of their um, the artist information is listed there, displayed there, and that's part of how they make their living is through royalties, you know, and or when you purchase books, you know, and stuff like that. The so same thing goes for music, where um, we're paying out the royalties. Um, to those songwriters, so because that's how they're making their living on, you know, consistently coming up with new songs and all the time and effort it takes to write songs and get it copyrighted and getting it out there, you know, all of that takes so much time, effort and money. And so, um, you know, we're here to support them in that way. Um, and yeah, per copyright law, anything, you know, th- 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 The copyright law is there to protect those owners of all these different forms of arts and literature Mm -hmm. um so that no one else can take credit for them um and if they want to use it you know per copyright law they have to get some kind of permissions yeah i think
1: intellectual property is what it's referred to for for copyright and um Ccli just takes out that legwork from not having churches have to go to every publisher of every song for permissions or buy all their product, you know we. We have that coverage for you know, making copies, whether they're digital or paper or you know recording or streaming, and so I know we get a lot of streaming questions you guys probably have some questions on that too i'm imagining.
0: Well, I was going to say, this, so there's kind of two avenues is the way I've tried to explain it for people. There's the copyright avenue, and then there's what we kind of call, I've been calling the broadcast avenue. Um, and that's where the live streaming comes in. A lot of our churches in the Great Plains, so Kansas and Nebraska, um, we had a lot of churches that did live stream prior to the pandemic, but we have a lot more churches that, <laughs> that started streaming because of the pandemic. Let's talk a little bit about the live streaming license and, and why that's important. What's the purpose of it? And when would a church need such a license?
1: Yeah, I can help with that one. So we actually have two types of coverage. We have streaming and we have streaming plus. The streaming license was the original one. And I want to say, and if David, you can help me remember, maybe five or so years ago, we were able to launch that one. Maybe a little bit longer.
2: Uh, Streaming plus yes or streaming plus was in the last couple of years but the streaming I think has been here even before I was here right so yeah um, so
1: definitely the streaming portion was covering like the churches for their own singers and their own musicians and there was a lot of need when the pandemic hit for using you know tracks master recordings of some kind Um, and we just didn't have that coverage but we were able to Connect with our record labels and our publishers and get streaming plus uh, have that license be available so that they can also along with their live singing use our covered master recordings um it's just one of those rights as a copyright holder is any kind of duplication whether it's streaming on the internet or broadcasting we we kind of think of broadcasting more of um like radio or TV, which we don't cover. So when we hear that word, that's kind of where our mind goes. But we do cover streaming online, whether it's a podcast or a live stream on any social media platform or something you record ahead of time and you post later.
2: I really like what you said there. The main thing with CCLI or any other you know, Christian music company is the whole point of it is duplication when you're making a copy of an original work, that's what per copyright law requires permissions. So you don't need a license to, you know, play a song on an instrument or, you know, vocally sing a song in church. But when you're making uh, a duplication, whether it's a paper copy of the lyrics or the music sheets, because that's what's copyrighted. um, That's where we come in to come, Provide that coverage for churches to legally be able to duplicate them. And going into streaming, when you're, it's one thing to, let's say, I purchase a track from like iTunes to use in our church, you know, because let's say we didn't have a worship team this weekend, so we're going to sing to a track. Well, your purchase covers you to use that track because you purchased it. But as, as soon as you put it out there publicly online, that's considered a duplication. So, for example, the ex- example I like to use with customers is you know, when you're watching a sporting event or when you see a movie, you always see that disclaimer where it's like, oh, this cannot be retransmitted, rebroadcasted without permission. Well, same thing goes for music when you put it mm-hmm. out there publicly.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: for example, if I have a soloist
0: uh, in, in worship and they're singing the song, pianist or organist is accompanying them or guitar player, but we're not showing any words. Uh, or anything like that that's that's just part of the worship service but as soon as we make a song sheet or as soon as we broadcast the or or or, or what i'd like to say throw the words on the on the wall
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know as soon as we do that with a projector or something all of a sudden that is duplication i think that's a good way for people to remember it if it's if we're if we're making a copy in any way say any way shape or form that right. that puts that into motion, right?
2: If you don't have the original written form, whether it's on paper or on a napkin, you don't, you're not the original owner. So anything outside of that, if if you, even if you just Google search lyrics and you type it up for your slides, you're duplicating it, so.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, when they hear the word copy, they think of photocopying, but there's so much more to a copy or reproducing. And it's like the singing of the songs, that's part of church exemption. You know, in your services, you don't need permission to sing or to play songs. It's the duplication. So that's where we come in. We help out with duplication permissions. We kind of have, you know, different licensing that you can add on depending on what you need. And streaming is definitely one of those needs that have become quite prevalent lately.
0: So let's talk for just a few moments about how people know which songs are covered. Now, your website has a, a really handy area on it that people can go in and type in the name of the of the song and and they, they know that it's if it's there or not. But let's walk through an example. You know, if I have a song that that I want to that I want to use in worship, I want to project the words uh, and have people sing along. It's let's say it's a more uh, a more uh, recent praise song. Yeah. What do I what's the steps I should follow if I'm a music director or a, or a pastor at a church and I want to do that? I picked out the song that I like, walk me through that process from the time I've chosen that song till I'm actually broadcasting on the on the wall in the church.
1: So there are kind of two ways, probably the easier simplified way is, uh, and you can get to either of these places from ccli.com, just start at the homepage. And on our homepage we have under, there's a big picture currently that talks about master recordings, but under that you're gonna see song select, and you're also going to see copyright owners lists. So those two are, are what you can use. But we'll start with SongSelect. So if you click on that, that takes you to songselect.com. And we recommend creating a free user account. Um, if you're with a church who has a license, you can also connect your account to your church. And that way, if they have a paid subscription, you can get more access to you know different types of content like sheet music. And that's but you- what
0: we actually recommend. Yeah our churches, by the way, uh, is to have the the paid subscription. Uh, Number one, then you're purchasing the licensing. uh, But number two, I think it makes the the website so quicker and much more functional for people. And you can get a lot
1: easier that way. Absolutely. So once you're there, you there's a search bar at the top and you can search by title. You can search by words. It's kind of sort of like a Google search. So just whatever info you have. Um, sometimes less is better uh, as far as getting results, but you just type in the title, maybe the last name of the author, and usually um, the most popular result will come up. If that song comes up, it's covered. Now there's streaming and streaming plus coverage. So basically what you find here is going to give you the database of what's covered under your copyright license. And the high, high percentage of all these songs are also covered with streaming coverage. There are a few publishers that haven't signed for streaming, but but basically every song that you find in here is. And we'll touch more on how to confirm on that um, that other part. But once you find the song in here, you can put it on the screen, you can photocopy it. Um, these are sometimes the songs that are sometimes covered. Sometimes there
0: are songs that the, the name is exactly the same, or maybe it's two mm-hmm. versions of the same song, Walk me through how that works. Because sometimes we'll have some people, uh, some composers, rather, that will make a slight change in a song, a slightly different arrangement uh, in a song. How do I know if that's okay to use versus what I see pop up?
1: Typically, the songs we're going to see are the originals, like what a publisher has submitted to us. The scenarios where you might see some different arrangements, I guess you can say, are if there may be a newer version of a public domain song. And so we kind of have to maybe know like some different words to the song that maybe the composer put in and you could type that in as well, or maybe the author, their name, um, customer service, we're here, give us a call. We can you know, walk you through it as well. But usually what you're gonna find is an original. We don't really have arrangements of copyrighted songs in there. So the top results should give you the ones you're looking for. titles aren't copyrighted, so you will see some titles that are the same. We have a sound sample. You can listen to uh, the sound sample next to that and listen to it, see if it's a song you're looking for, and that helps out a lot too.
2: Regarding different arrangements, um, and this is pretty recent, um, as long as the, how different it is it, it, as long as it, it has it's not a completely different song where they've taken an original song and completely changed it you know if it's just slight diff, slightly different arrangements with some different words um, at this time you can assume that those are those types of r- arrangements are covered because um, we're still paying out royalties to the original songwriter as well so when those songs are reported.
1: okay yeah. Definitely. There are going to be artists out there that have their own, you know, slant on the song. And it's going to be a little bit different, but it's still the same song. So we just provide right. the original.
0: They may rearrange like where the refrain is and they may right. have some kind of bridge or ending, but the the core of the song is still the same as what right. Right. And so, Yeah, I, pre- I think, Anne, I think you were the one I talked with. This has been several months ago, but I, I had a question of that specifically for something that we were doing here uh, for one of our annual conference events, and so I think I think you were the one that explained that to me and helped me kind of get that information out. So I appreciate that.
1: Yeah,
0: let's go back here a second. So one of those was song select. You said the other one, yes. was, and this was this was new to me not that long ago. I did not know this this part uh, until I had a question that I think somebody else from your staff answered. So the copyright owners lists. Uh, yeah. that you can find from the website. Talk, walk me through what that is and how that is a useful tool for local churches.
1: Absolutely. So it's kind of funny, way back in the day, this kind of used to be the only thing that they could look at. We didn't have song select, you know, and uh, we would actually mail out these copyright owners lists. So some churches might remember that, but now it's all online. So this uh, this page takes you to where you can choose what license you're wondering about coverage for. So there's a drop-down menu it has copyright coverage streaming license streaming plus and rehearsal license so they are separated out because it does make a difference and so you want to just click on the one that you're curious about that you want to know about coverage and from there then there's either a list you can scroll through or you can type the publisher name or record label name depending on which license and then see if you're you're uh, For like a song, you'd be looking at the copyright notice, like the bottom of the song. Let's say it says 2002 Hope Publishing. Like if you know it's Hope Publishing and you just remember that Hope is covered, their songs are covered. So you don't even have to look in song select. So that's one way. If you just have a hymnal or a book and you're kind of curious about the songs, just look at the bottom of the song, not the hymnal publisher, but the bottom of the song. And then that's where you can see if that publisher is covered.
2: Yeah, this is just a way for you to be able to search by publisher as a whole instead of by song title. Um, and so if a publisher appears in that search from the copyright owners list, and unless they have a, a asterisk next next to their name, you can assume yes. that all songs by them are covered by CCLI.
1: Yeah, it's very rare, but there are some selected titles ones. So yeah, like David mentioned, if you see a little asterisk and there there's a note you know, mentioning that there on that page, so you can remember that.
0: We went through an exercise here about a year ago where um, uh, my administrative assistant went through the entire United Methodist hymnal and the entire Faith We Sing supplemental hymnal that we use, and I had her do that exercise, Uh, go to the bottom of each song, figure out, and then let's see. Uh, And the reason for that was in 2016, uh, it was my first time going to United Methodist Association of Communicators uh, annual meeting, and we had kind of a speed dating training thing that day.
1: <laughs> well, that and works. one of
0: them was a representative from CCLI who was there and was, and was helping explain. So this is way before the pandemic. Um, you know, uh, we, we were just there learning. It was one of like eight or nine stations we could go to and spend like literally five minutes. And then you move to the next one. And there were several of us who remember that person telling us that the entire United Methodist hymnal was covered. And then there was some question later about if that was really the case. Well, I can tell you that based on our research here anyway, we were able to find the publishers for each of the songs in the United Methodist hymnal. <laughs> uh, so that, so that, that's good. And for the faith we sing.
1: That's awesome. Uh,
0: but according to, uh, we, we didn't get into the weeds as far as the numbers, but there's a lot of our worship and song, which is kind of a third hymnal that we have mm-hmm. actually, I would argue, I bet more than 70% of those are not covered uh, gotcha. by CCLI at this point. So, and we try to make that point wherever I speak uh, to make sure people know okay, these two, you're pretty darn safe. This one not safe at all. You need to make sure you follow all the procedures and go through each one because we haven't had a chance to check that one completely out for you.
1: Yeah,
0: And we found enough holes in that one that was like, okay, for whatever reason, that's just not, that's just not working out for us too much. So be careful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we do tell customers it's not uncommon for them to have our license and add another license that might have more liturgical coverage, you know, it's not one or another, there's never going to be a licensing company that can say they cover everything. It's just, it's up to a publisher who they sign with and they can sign with multiple. There might be some double coverage, but CCI is definitely the biggest been around the longest.
0: And that's what we found. And we have some that one license is another organization Mm -hmm. that, uh, that has some, and, and it actually does have quite a few of the worship and song songs in it, but it doesn't have all of the United Methodist hymnal in it. And so you're right. I mean, it. it, uh, We always just for the sake of our listeners, uh, I've been very open about this. I I tend to push people towards CCli because of the coverage of the two biggest of our hymnals, Mm -hmm. uh, and the use of those in worship, and why I think that's important. Uh, And just frankly, just makes it easier for people. (laughs) To plan out their services. (laughs) So here's another question I get a lot, and. I know what the answer I've been giving. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful you're backing me up on this. Um, I often receive. Can I use YouTube videos in my worship service? Uh, lyric yeah. videos, and so uh, let's let's let you guys take a stab at that one. Absolutely. The is.
1: So, per YouTube's terms, so if you really get in there and you read them, which I know a lot of people just don't really do that, it does talk about how it's more or less for personal use. So any anything that you wanna, I don't have the verbiage in front of me, but if you wanna display it publicly, you need permission from the licensor of the content. I think it might even say something about a YouTube license, which I don't know how that would happen, but long story short, we don't cover it. It's doesn't appear to be covered because of their terms. So if you purchase, there are companies that have projection, like pre-made slides that you can purchase. And those would be okay because you're purchasing that and those royalties are being paid to the song owners.
0: And that's the reason they do it to start with.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But just a regular YouTube video, you have to reach out to the owner of the content.
2: Yeah, and what we've seen is uh, YouTube's been cracking down a lot harder in the last two to three, maybe even four years on, you know, like, because, you know, there's a bunch of people that post lyric videos and stuff like that. And churches, obviously, um, especially in the pandemic, would, would you know, really wanted to use those. Um, and even now, we, we still get questions of, oh, can we use lyric videos from YouTube if, you know, we don't have a worship team or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from what we've seen, YouTube's been cracking down really hard on taking a lot of those down. Um, because the people that are uploading them don't have those permissions um, to begin with, to be able to just, you know, create a lyric video and post it online on their channel. So, right.
0: yeah, we my, my blanket answer ever since the beginning of the pandemic is just don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth it. Now, there is a scenario and we have seen this kind of in ebbs and flows. Right now, I'm knocking on wood because right now we haven't had too many, but we have had a lot in the past. So we've got churches that have purchased the license. Mm-hmm. They've got a streaming license. They've done their due diligence and checked to make sure the songs they're using in worship is fine. But then when they live stream to Facebook or to YouTube, yeah, those yeah. two platforms are either muting them or in yeah. some cases pulling down their videos when they've done everything that they they can. And, yeah. and I'll tell you, we verified, in, not in every case by any means. But there are some that we've kind of spot checked to make sure: did they use lyric videos in there? And the answer's been no. They've created their own, or they've used one of their platforms, like Easy Worship or Media Shout would be another one that's pretty popular around here. So, mm-hmm. what what is what what do you all have to say about that? And and how yeah. do, what do churches do when that kind of stuff happens?
2: Do you mind if I take this one? Go
1: for it, David. Because yeah. I've been
2: working with this one for and creating articles, <laughs> and so. Go for it. Um, so here here's the thing with YouTube. Facebook, social media sites, especially YouTube and Facebook specifically, these are free platforms. And so the intent of these platforms is and for original content. And because these are free platforms, and people can pretty much, you know, have the freedom to post whatever they want, right, within YouTube's terms, YouTube has to keep make sure that they keep themselves protected on potential copyright infringement. So whether you have a license from us or anybody else, if you're using copyrighted content, they have an automatic algorithm that runs across all the videos that, for, for example, for music that listens for potential copyrighted music that's in their database and automatically flags. Now, it's not consistent because we've had churches where they've never gotten flagged. They don't have any licenses, you know, and they've never gotten flagged. And then there's a church, you know, a small, you know, 40-person church that streams every week and they get flagged every single week. Um, So we have found out that it's been kind of on a random basis. Um, The major, the main thing is, um, as far as we know, we or nor any other company covers those social media sites for what they're posting. And I understand churches, when they post their services, they're they're like, this is our content, this is our service, but the music that's included is what's causing the issue, which is, you know, they're not the owners of that music that's in their worship service. Um, So unfortunately, um, YouTube and Facebook will flag you. Um, It is kind of at random. Um, But our streaming license covers any live worship um, with live instruments and singing. Our streaming plus covers usage of tracks in those streams. And from what we've come to find out, um, if you're using an audio track, a background track, anything of that sort is when they'll get the immediate flag. Yeah.
1: My understanding- You
0: you had been working on it. Um, So is this something CCLI has been kind of working to kind of go to bat for the the churches? I mean, because if they've done what they, what they've been told to do their due diligence Mm -hmm. um small churches in particular they're like wait a minute this is actually a a fairly big investment for a church our size and we're you know what why should we follow the law and everything if if we're going to get flagged anyway and our stuff's going to be pulled down so it sounds like ccli has been taking that into account and trying to work with uh these platforms can you tell us a little bit about i mean obviously not sharing any secrets but some of the things that you've been working on that on behalf of the clients
2: yeah, I mean, at the very least, um, I know that our execs over the year, over years, have been reaching out to those platforms to try to partner with them and, uh, and such. Um, unfortunately, we haven't gotten, you know, the response that we would like to try to, you know, support churches of, you know, posting on there on those giant platforms. So, um Yeah, at the very least, what we tell customers is whether you have a license from us, or even if you have permissions directly from the songwriters themselves, if you post that on YouTube, even with those permissions, you'll probably still get flagged. And that's why YouTube, for example, has the option to dispute that flag after the fact, Um, whether it's, you know, I believe some of the options are like, oh, I have a license, I have permissions, or it's a public domain song, Um, but yeah, having a license with us or anybody else, unfortunately, doesn't override what YouTube and Facebook's terms of agreements that are set in place are because that's their site. They have their own agreements with uh, yeah. content owners of what can be legally posted on their sites. Um
0: I can say we've had some luck uh, with churches that were flagged repeatedly. It's, it, was, it was this made me chuckle when you said some of these smaller churches are getting flagged all the time because it seems like that's what happened here. <laughs> the larger churches, eh, you're asking that question like, no, eh, it's not really a thing for us, but the smaller churches get, keep getting flagged. One of the things that we have helped them do is dispute uh, and point out that they've got the licenses. And we make sure we tell them that you know the best thing you can do is at the beginning of your worship service and before each song, Post a title slide that has your license information. And what we have found is that once you dispute it a couple of times, all of a sudden either somebody manually is looking at that before they pull it down again or they've written something into on their end who knows because nobody really knows what's going on in the background right. Of places. right But we have noticed that that has alleviated with those churches anyway, those things from being you know repetitively happen again uh but you know just trying to be a squeaky wheel i guess and making sure that it's very visible so that when if they do spot checks they can see that okay the bot may have noticed this or the algorithm picked this up but they really have got what they need to be able to use this so that's just one thing that we have found that has been at least somewhat successful but like you said there's no way to stop all of it
1: yeah
2: yeah there's and not to speak really on behalf of youtube since obviously you know we're not YouTube employees, but there are two different types of flags from what we've come to understand. There's a copyright claim and -hmm. then a copyright strike. A copyright strike, I believe if you get three of those, they'll shut your channel down. And generally that's, uh, you get a strike from what we've heard um, is when you're using tracks. A copyright claim uh, is when the owner of the song or whatever content you're using is claiming ownership of that song or content in your video. And then I believe YouTube puts in um, ads into your video because then that's how YouTube pays the royalties to the mm-hmm. owners in that way through the ad revenue. So if you do get a copyright claim, you don't, from what we've heard, you do not want to dispute those.
1: Yeah. it's not, And I tell my customers, it's not a bad thing. It's just informational. It's letting you know, hey, this song has the copyright owners claimed their work and it, it shouldn't, at least from when I talk to people, it shouldn't take their, their, um, video down or mute it. I think Facebook live is more of where a lot like more churches are having issues. I think
0: we found that, that YouTube was an issue for a while, but not as big of issue consistently. Facebook's the one where those all of a sudden mute a portion of the video. Um, it's, it's a lot tougher to get to a live person.
1: Uh, If anybody ever finds out, let me know.
0: (laughs) No kidding. Right. Um, uh, So, so I think you're exactly right. That's what we found anyway. We, I guess what I'm saying is what you just said I have found to be true, at least in our two States. Um, And so, you know, people just need to kind of keep an eye on it. And, and uh, I, I think the biggest thing is do your due diligence and make a good faith effort to do you're supposed to do, and and that should that should work in your favor (laughs) over the the course of time.
1: And there are so many platforms out there. Um, you know, we tell the churches they have the legal coverage. You know, if they search the songs and you know which ones are covered, we just can't control those algorithms of all the different websites. But you know, some churches just post on their actual website. They have programs and they don't use YouTube or Facebook, and they're fine. Or they use Vimeo. They don't have ads and they seem to not have those algorithms in place. Usually if you are singing live and it's your own singers, you're not going to have a problem. It's when those tracks are in the background that that's when that happens.
2: And I'm so glad you brought that up because we have come up with an alternative way for people that are constantly getting flagged. And this this goes back to what I mentioned before of these platforms being free platforms right so those companies need to make sure they keep themselves protected on what's being posted so they have their own terms of use versus so what our license is covering is for you streaming on a paid platform so for example if you church on if you stream on your own church's website um, you know you have to Go through like your local streaming service, get a streaming box, get that all set up, and then you can stream whatever you want on your church's website. And then obviously, if you're using copyrighted stuff, you know, you want to make sure you have the proper licensing to cover whatever you're going to be broadcasting. Um, or like Vimeo is a paid service as well, where they're just a streaming platform, and it's something that you have to pay to stream on. But they don't have all of those agreements and you know whatnot. It's up to whoever's streaming or uploading the content to make sure that they have proper licensing for whatever they're using. So the workaround we've come to uh, tell our customers as of recent is, if you're constantly getting flagged on YouTube and Facebook, the main thing is yes, that's what everybody uses. That's where a majority of the audience is. So we recommend going and streaming on your own church's website or Vimeo or another paid streaming service. But when you're about to start your service like half an hour before, start a live stream on YouTube and Facebook with a simple message of, hey, we're starting our service in 30 minutes. Come to our website to watch the service so that you're still gathering all of that YouTube and Facebook audience. Mm -hmm. You're just not streaming on those platforms and they're just coming to a different site to watch the service. So you're still gathering all of that audience from Facebook and YouTube.
0: I think that's a good tip. So, so uh, before I let you go, why don't you to tell me about what are some of the other questions that you all have heard that, uh, that you get that we haven't brought up here so far today?
2: Yeah. I mean, since like pandemic up until now, I mean, the main big thing has been streaming obviously. So that's really been the bulk of our questions. Um, I mean, if anything, we have auto reporting available. Um, where you don't have to manually report songs and we're partnered with all these different, you know, projection companies and planning, worship planning uh, software companies. So,
1: yeah. um, One question that comes to mind that uh, has come up more just because of the pandemic and streaming is um, showing movies. And I mean, we have our, our video license available for showing movies in the church building, but it does not cover streaming online um audio you know so like if you are streaming online you just want to make sure you mute that part of it don't show any of the movie um there was kind of a, a moment where they were saying it's okay if it's like private like zoom meeting but i think we're kind of getting out of that exception because we're not really fully yeah, it's in the still over anymore, the
2: internet yeah. yeah so zoom
1: is so a that gray question.
0: area for a little while um yeah yeah i understand that uh, so I guess last thing I want to get into then is something that happens every now and then for churches. Uh, uh, you hear the word and it causes panic, audit. <laughs> um, uh, tell me a little bit about what that process is and why that why church, why church we ask churches to go through that exercise, because it's every, yeah. it, it was every three years or every two years. I can't remember.
1: So it kind of depends on the license that you have. The biggest thing I like to tell churches when they say the word audit, it's not an audit. So, it's just a copy report. It lets us know how to use the funds that you pay us to pay out to the owners of those songs that you're using. And so, for the copyright license, it is a rotational report. So, it's about six months at a time. You're going to either get a September through March or an April through Sorry.
2: October through March and then yeah, April through September. Thank
1: you. <laughs> and that's
2: if you're not yes. um, opted into the auto reporting, which will then just year round auto report for you. Yeah. Um, but if you're not using one of those software companies um, to opt into auto reporting, then yeah, you're chosen once every about two and a half years for an upcoming six month period. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's definitely not an audit. It's for them to give us the opportunity to be able to pay out for the songs that they used Um, so that those songwriters get their due royalties
1: and you don't get charged based on what you report to us at all so it's just you're you're paying your monthly sorry your yearly fee you know there's no worries there we're not the copyright police we're here to help you we'll walk you through it give us a call Um, but the other two licenses that are that are year-round are the rehearsal license and the streaming Streaming Plus plus license and that's because they deal with the master recordings so it's and they're not maybe as often used, like for the, the rehearsal report, it's if you're burning CDs or sharing MP3s, you know, maybe emailing them or uploading them to like planning center as a site to share. Um, but those, yeah, so those ones are, are year round, but the copyright license is kind of combined with the streaming by itself license. So that one is the every uh, two, two and a half years for six months.
2: Yeah, And ultimately, we, you know, we want to pay out as much royalties as we can to support as many different songwriters. Um, And since we have such a vast variety of customers, different denominations, you know, our goal is to pay out and support those songwriters as much as we can.
0: And the reality is, that's why churches can do this anyway, because otherwise the expense to them would be so enormous that they wouldn't be able to, every church would have like three to five worship songs and that'd be about it. (laughs) (laughs) right yeah so so it's important for people to understand that that's just part of that's part of what makes this all possible so well ann and david thank you so much for joining me on this episode of in layman's terms and for helping us to understand um this is a very important subject and it's often a confusing subject but it's one that churches most certainly have to be aware of and to which churches should be paying close attention so thank you so much and for ccli for uh, helping churches obtain permission for using this incredible music in our worship settings both in person and online. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for, so having, much for us. having
2: us. Yeah.
0: After we finished our discussion, I thought of one more question for my guests. They corrected me on one item that luckily I had not spread bad information too far over the years. Well first, yes, I had it right. If you have a multi-point charge, each church should have its own license. I've had that part correct. But if you have a special service, such as a worship service in a park or at a venue other than your own church at your regular street address, so long as that is your service and not a combined effort with other churches or other groups in your community, CCLI allows for as many as two services per year that are larger than your average worship attendance. So a special once-a-year event at the park, for example, can be done without any additional licensing. In other words, you don't need to purchase a one-time license just because you're conducting your own worship service away from your regular venue. At least that twice a year. I hope you found this discussion with our friends from CCLI about copyright licensing and streaming licenses to be helpful. If you want to learn more, and I highly recommend you do, visit CCLI.com. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.